0: Welcome to this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix, Season 2, Episode 8, Duck and Cover. Put the emphasis really on that first word, duck. (laughs) We, we We had an appearance by an animal in this episode. As always, I am joined by one Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? Bob, how you
1: doing?
0: Um, happy birthday to the late and great Kobe Bryant. He would have been forty-two today, so definitely shout out to him. And uh, you know, cannot still hard to believe. It's still hard to believe that uh, he is no longer with us. But today would have been his forty-second birth, birthday to the Mister Bryant. Um, so this episode was directed by Dan At- Atias. It ranked all-time by Vulture 45 in terms of all-time Wire episodes. One of the reasons why they feel like that this episode was ranked so low or low low is because they thought that too much, they thought there was too much Ziggy. And they said that this was the first, and I didn't realize this up until this point. Ziggy, this was the first episode where we see, where we don't see Stringer Bell. He does not appear in this episode at all. Probably, the, I would say the first and only time that he doesn't appear on the show during his ten-year with the program with the show. So those two reasons were the reason why Vulture had this episode ranked forty-five, which is not that low considering what some of the some of the rankings of their other episodes of season two. To be honest with you, um, I had a theme, and I'll flush it out more over the course of uh, uh, of the podcast. Um, to me, it stood up was, and this is one of your favorites. This is a word that you've used throughout the course of this uh season self destruction. That was my theme of this episode, and we saw it firsthand, in particularly two characters in Jimmy McNulty and one Ziggy. Uh, opening scene so McNulty is clearly distraught about the fact that his wife wants no part, no. Parts to do with him, other than raising their two sons, uh, in terms of getting back with him, that she shut that down. Last time we uh, did it, last you know, last show we did, um, he's at the bar. Of course, his favorite, one of his favorite places, probably you know, maybe other than working a case, his favorite, his favorite place, and he is completely fucked up to a point to where um, <laughs> the bartender, yeah. <laughs> The bartender is like, you're not getting behind. A, he's like, the bartender says two things. He says, uh, save some for the rest of the customers. <laughs> number one, and number two, you're not getting behind uh, a vehicle. Or he asks, uh, he asks are you're not getting behind a vehicle, or you, Jimmy? And then, then uh, McNulty says, pour it, and it says, I'm looking you in the eye, Gus, as if that is just the all that's just supposed to be the truth-telling syrup of, of, of the fact that I'm looking you in the eye Gus so so I'm not, a, a cab is behind a, a cab is coming in to pick me up of course he's lying he gets in the car and not now ca- he crashes the car once but twice he crashes the car before he ends up in the diner uh, comes in the diner hand is busted bleeding um, and the waitress for whatever reason found that a, to be attractive. And uh, he ends up having a, you know, after some eggs and sausage ends up uh, having taken the waitress home for a one night stand, wakes up the next morning, ble- bloody hand uh, in, the waitress's, uh, in the waitress's place and, you know, realizing how just how fucked up at this point his life is. That is, this is Jim, this is McNulty at his pinnacle of self-destruction, self-destruction as far as where he, he's at in his life right now without you know working cases being on the boat no Elena what were your thoughts on on one Jimmy McNose?
2: Yeah I mean there's nothing really to add to what you said. Absolutely right just self-destructive behavior for everyone to see. Yep, you nailed it.
0: Yeah man when he when he told the bartender when he told the bartender I'm looking you in the eye, that was that was hilarious to me. <laughs> like the bartender was so yeah, that. Oh, one thing I did forget the epigraph. The epigraph for this episode was by one Ziggy. How come they don't fly away? So forgot about that. Uh, so we go to Ziggy, um, Horseface and Nat. They are um, seemingly just. I mean, they're they're at the docks. This is before work. This is during a break. I'm assuming this is during a break time, lunch break. They're watching Maui. Um. This, they're looking at Maui, and this is the beginning of them trying of Matt and Horseface trying to convince Ziggy that uh, to try to take on Maui, uh, who we we all know is twice Ziggy's size, and you know Ziggy's giving this hard stare and and what have you, and they you know they're I mean they completely they're completely fucking with him, but he you know they're you know trying to pump up his, pump his head up to get him the courage to go take on Maui. Remember, this is coming off an episode where Maui had um, tricked him into thinking that he had, you know, that he was a father with the whole scene in in, in the bar. Um, so they've been going back and forth throughout the course of the season, and this, is of course, will be set up for um, a, a, a scene later on. What were your thoughts on this scene?
2: Yeah, uh, there there's a lot that's going on with Ziggy right now, um, and uh, so. This is, this is the first part of kind of like a two-episode arc on where he is. I have a ton to talk about of Ziggy and, um, next week, but this is, this is kind of like the first part of it. It goes absolutely with your, your assessment of just self-destructive behavior, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, so, so that yeah.
2: – it's, it's the beginning of the self-destructive, yeah, yeah, self-destructive
0: cycle. <clears throat> we have um, the detail. Uh, Freeman convinces Pearlman to look um, into the wiretap, uh, into the case for a possible wiretap. She convinces, she, they convince her that the case, you know, is, prob- is, you know, is even bigger than uh, Frank Sabaka. She um, is, she's absolutely convinced and says, you know, says to them, hey, it looks like you guys have PC now. And they, you know, they go through all the pieces, all the connections with Prop Joe and Sergey, and, you know, Sabaka and Frank Sabaka and Nick Sabaka. So they made all, they basically take her through the whole crime board that they have hanging up in their office and convince mm-hmm. her that she, you know, should um, look into, uh, you know, putting this into a, a, a wiretap, a uh, wiretap and uh, they, you know, she says it looks like it seems like you guys have um, have probably have PC and you, you also have what you also have Russell. Who, you know, who is impressed with the detail in terms of seeing how much goes into what they do to track to to, to track phone calls in regards to all the paperwork that they had. So, um, this would be the setup, setup for a later um, uh, later scene in regards to uh, Pearlman and the rest of the detail. What were your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, see, this, this is why I love this. And is, this is why I would argue against Vulture's rankings heavily um, for because of scenes like this. So my assumption is, What Vulture and what other people, whatever, are looking at is for the drama of The Wire, which is nice. And I mean, like, it's it's a very dramatic show. But um, this is the why. this to me is where The Wire sets itself apart from every other show in the history of television. Because they took the time early on in the season to lay out the rules and the structure of everything, this scene works so perfectly because they're now telling they're now breaking down why they're now they're now setting the table for how they get the wire and because we know what probable cause is because we know all the different things they need to do to um to to uh figure out like to to get taps on the phone um the scene plays out really smoothly now the reason why i say this is this this is the best stuff that better than anything uh uh, better than anything else out in the history of the wires because um the the like most shows and i've said this before most shows don't even take the time to explain anything like that let alone then show you what it looks like right like every other cop show in existence the police is just banging through the door yelling we got a warrant or you just see them listening to the phone and everything like that we know what pertinent and non-pertinent means in the wire and we know why the cops can listen to certain things and can't listen to certain things. And we know why they need to get what, like what it is they had to go through in order to get that. So that makes the wire itself, which is the name of the show that makes the wire itself, one of the central characters. And in order to do that, you got to tell us, you got to, you got to give the background of that character. And so all of that, groundwork that they laid in those first four episodes of this season gives us this scene and, and gives us a smooth, clean look into the wire. Furthermore, again, them switching up from the drugs to this season shows you that it's not just about getting people off on the corner, like the, that, that the wire is, is a technique that can be used to really bring in high-end criminals. And that's actually like the point of it. Um, uh, and so um, and so it's a great scene. And also, also B.D. Russell is up, she's the audience. So she, she's our microphone. And so um, uh, when she says, wow, I didn't know, I thought I knew paperwork. That's exactly the point of, that's exactly where we're supposed to be at. Like, wow, it takes a lot to do these things and it takes a lot of investigation to do this really well. And so that's why as a viewer, you need to invest your time and energy and effort and your brain power in watching everything that happens in the show because everything means something. Um, with scenes like this, then all that other stuff doesn't matter. And so, great job.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean they basically flush out their whole process of, you know, uh, of their investigation and even with Pearlman, you know, Pearlman in previous episodes I said, you know, said, you know, told them, hey, you, you guys don't have enough uh, in regards to PC. So they even give you that, that you even see that process with her finally being satisfied with the amount of work and with prop with the with what they have now as in comparison to previous episodes. Um, so they did she appointed a brilliant job at, at depicting that. Um Ziggy, Maui, Nat, and Horseface. Of course, Ziggy watches along with Horseface and uh along with Horseface and even Johnny50 watches uh Maui buy uh ham, ham and cheese sandwich with a Frappuccino. And I guess according to you know, according to Ziggy, that's makes you not manly enough. Um, so he, you know. He's all in on he's all in on challenging Malley to a fight. They, Malley has his back turned as he's you know eating his sandwich. Uh, Ziggy hits him with a punch that you know doesn't move him an inch. He turns around, punches Ziggy, grabs him, and uh, uses a forklift to put him on top of a can and threatens anybody who who uh who get who will get Ziggy down. Know, who will get Ziggy down from that from on top of the can and then Ziggy, you know, saying giving everybody the finger, fuck you, and then had these had these famous words, you guys gave me bad advice. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ziggy, you guys gave me bad advice. You motherfuckers gave me bad advice. Those are were his exact words. And of course, Ziggy, as always, or a lot of times we've seen in this show, is the butt of the of the joke. Um, in this case uh, what were your thoughts so this is
2: part two of a I said two episode arc this is this is really a three episode arc right and I said I think I said last not last week but the last time that we talked that um, that we're we're in full-on tragic figure mode now just like they did in setting up the parameters of the wire for this season in those first episodes, they set up, they've done the exact same thing with setting up Ziggy um, for what is, for what is to come. And this, again, I would argue vehemently against Vulture on this. Now this one I will argue vehemently against. Um, you need this much Ziggy in this episode to make what happens matter. Yes. To the, and, and give no you the question. impact. Ziggy's mattered this whole season, and so anybody that can't see it, I don't know what to say to you. Um, but but so uh, so so if I'm just isolating it to this episode, which is insane because you can't do that with the wire. But if I'm just at isolating it to this episode, then this is part two because um, what what the the arc that they're taking you on is about um, Ziggy's implosion um and then what that implosion impacts like you said ziggy's the butt of the joke ziggy feels that he's the butt of the joke and the there's a lot of reasons why and we talked about a lot of them and there's more talk about ziggy to come and and that but the the fact that he's the butt of the joke drives him to do the things that 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 he's doing instead of people looking at it as a cry out for help people laugh at him, which only fuels it more. Yeah. Um, and I'll stop because there's so much to say, but I argue vehemently against vulture on that point. Ziggy, The, the amount of Ziggy in this episode is absolutely necessary.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ziggy, this has been building up for, you know, this has been this has been a buildup, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes. I, I, you know, even even through the comedy, I say I will mention to you to the audience: watch, watch Ziggy's reactions. Watch, yeah. Ziggy, watch. Pay pay a close attention to his behavior because this is not. It is it is coming to a head. Like with these with the jokes and with the him getting just pushed aside. Like this just this is you know this is intentional. This is very much intentional. It was very much intentional by the writers. When depicting this particular character, who is going to play a vital role in this season, he is vital for the for the importance of, of this season. He's just not he's just not a character that you know just for you know for comedy um, by any stretch of imagination. Um, so you have uh, the detail. Bunk joins the detail, um, and laments the fact that he's in the detail comes in, you know, with some sweats on and, you know, talks, they, you know, they crack on about playing lacrosse, and he mentions, brings up, uh, you know, Jim Brown, who's was all, by the way, a lot of many people didn't know, was All-American at Syracuse, with lac- not only football, but also was a world-class lacrosse player at Syracuse as well, and uh, you have uh, Freeman saying, you're putting yourself next to Jim Brown, and, you know, Bunk wants, really doesn't want any part of being, <laughs> is, you know, he gets along with the detail, but he doesn't want, really doesn't want to be there. Um so you had that scene, uh that quick scene. What were your thoughts on on about joining the detail for this assignment? Yeah, this uh, setup. Uh you have Frank and um yeah, Frank and Horseface. Uh Frank talking to Horseface about the fact that uh well Horseface talked to Frank about um about Ziggy, and also um, saying, you know, Ziggy, you know, can't believe what I can't believe what Ziggy did, you know, what your son did. And then before he even gets into the details of it, you had them uh, discussing the um, the fact that Frank had. Uh, no, I don't think that's just no. This is not all right. yeah Frank and yeah Frank and Horseface briefly discussing uh, Ziggy. Uh, this is before this is a, a quick setup before Frank starts to realize some things that, that are not right so this this scene was a quick scene setting up a scene that we're going to talk about in a, a couple more scenes so this this was this was a, this was just them two this was just a setup scene this will this scene will flush out in a couple minutes yep. um, you had um, the detail so the detail get back go back to the detail with Perlman um, Perlman gets the affidavits, um, gets the affidavits. They go to the judge's house and the judge, um, the judge, of course, signed the affidavits for the wiretap. You have Herc and Carver carrying what seemingly is an uh, air conditioning up a up three flights of stairs while uh, while Freeman and uh, Freeman and Pearlman are are getting the, the judge to sign the affidavit. Affidavits, and then you had the, the judge telling them to yeah just just by the way give the windows a wash, on you <laughs> after you carry this this uh, thousand pound uh, air conditioner up the steps or so five hundred pound air conditioner up the steps up the third floor steps, um, and then you um, so they so they got the, they signed to get the affidavit for the wiretap, uh, and then you um, then that scene ends. Um, what were your thoughts on that scene? uh, with, with the judge and them getting affidavits.
2: Yeah. it's, It's another kind of like little peek into the legal system as defined by the wire, um, as defined by what they, they know. Um, you know, like the idea, right. Is that the person who, uh, you know, writes, puts down the affidavit and puts it in a, in a certain way, um, You know, based off of the evidence that is involved, it you know the judge gives gives either the yay or the nay to it. Um, What Perman was saying, not only in this scene, but I think in either the previous yeah in the previous episode was you know will you wash his windows like that? That'll get us what we need, which um which is a statement on on the legal system. I mean, it just absolutely is that that there are ways in which to get things done and a lot of those things a lot of those ways in which to get things done don't really actually have a lot to do with the merits of the case um so so it's kind of like another uh political move for lack of a better way to to frame it
0: go to frank and um horseface in frank's office So Frank starting to get suspicious. He realizes the phone company, he calls the phone company, the phone company gets a call from the phone company and um, his bills haven't been paid for like, he's three months by on his phone, on his phone bill. Um, And he's been told by the phone company that his phone has, you know, he tells him, hey, the check will be in the mail. Uh, The check will be in the mail as soon as possible. And they basically said, you know, it's okay. You've been flagged. Your phone is still is still on. Your cell phone is still on. So then he gets off the phone. He gets off the phone, and he asks Horseface, "When you don't pay your bill for three months, what happens?" And then Horseface says, "You know, they cut your phone." Now, pay attention to the gesture that Horseface did with the throat slashing, uh, in this, in the scene. It will just pay attention to it, put a bookmark next to that, uh, next to that gesture that he did. I didn't realize it until I've seen this episode on how many times I did not make the connection um, in terms of that and how that would play out, but it did, there is a connection. But basically Frank is picking up on the fact that um, he doesn't know why his phone has been uh, flagged and he's starting to get, you know, the wheels are starting to, the wheels are starting to turn in terms of something that must something must not be right here. He hasn't quite figured it out, and we'll, we'll see over the course of, of the episode um, when things start to come clear, but he, this is the beginning of him figuring out that something is quite not right. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on this scene? Uh, yeah, set up. Um, But, yeah, you
2: said what needed to be said, and it's setting up for much, setting up.
0: We go to the, uh, Bodhi and Poo are in the pit. Um, they are, they, and they're looking at a pit that has basically next to no customers. Um, then they go to, you know, then they go to the towers. The towers, same thing. Uh, they have, you know, not no, hardly no people there. And of course, this is due to a lack of uh, product or no, not lack of product, a lack of quality of product, which was, you know, talked about. Has been talking about for the last couple episodes in regards to where they the product versus east side dope. Um, and fiends are just running up, you know, fiends, drug fiends, drug fiends are going to the east side to kind of, you know, to uh to get, to get high. Um, they even get harassed by a cop who Bodie says normally wouldn't be around if we had some people up in here. Uh, if we had some people up in here, he wouldn't have his chest all out. And then they, you know, you see Bodie thinking about contemplating, you know, what's gonna be the next move. Uh, what were your thoughts? Bodie and Pooh, by the way. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah,
2: yeah. it is in a bad way. That was that was my thoughts on it. They're in a bad way right now.
0: Yeah, because they you have the towers with no real estate with no product with weak product. Um Minotti and Bunk. Are um, drinking or doing that the one of the normal spots is by the train tracks, you know, drinking. Um, McNulty, of course, has his famous Jameson in hand while Bunk, you know, had a Heineken. Um, Bunk talks about the detail and talks about him being assigned on this case for the detail. Uh, McNulty, and, you know, of course, I mentioned earlier that Bunk is not crazy about uh, being assigned to this case. With the detail, and McNulty says, You know, I will trade places with you in a heartbeat. And basically, it says, You know, if I can't work the case, you know, what good am I? So, this and uh, bulk jokingly says, Well, you know, if that was it, if that's it, then just go ask Rawls, knowing you know, for well that Rawls is not, you know, would never acquiesce to McNulty asking to to be on that case. Um, so. What were your thoughts with McNulty in this dark, dark place at this point?
2: Um, so, all right. So I'm, I'm going to unveil a little bit, uh, unveil a little bit of a theory. So we, we talked a lot about how for most of this season, McNulty was, for all intents and purposes, on the, on the shelf. They just had him doing stuff um, to move the plot along for him. So um, I criticize that a lot, and I stand by that criticism. But I will add that the what I'm fairly certain was happening um, was that they were reimagining the McNulty character. Um, so McNulty, the character up to this point, was uh, supposed to be this brash asshole, but fantastic detective. Very two-dimensional. Dis- two um, they want to bring. They want to bring more. More. They they want a more dynamic character. Um, at this. At this point in time, or, or previously, um, they have a ton of characters um, that are far more intriguing than McNulty is, and so um, they needed to reinvent the character. And so, in order to reinvent the character, they had to they had to kind of put him on the shelf and have him chasing chasing things. Because once McNulty gets back into the game, um, the McNulty character is going to grow leaks leaps and bounds. Uh, I'm trying to remember the sequence of events. Um, in terms of what, where we are, uh, has, no, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll say a little bit more once we get once we get a little bit more deeper into the to the episode of how I know that the writers are doing this. Um, but the there is a beginning and reimagining of the McNulty character and it's going to start in this episode.
0: Yeah. So that makes perfect sense from a standpoint of I mean the show is so rich with characters that they can afford they could afford to put him aside for a couple episodes without losing anything without without missing a beat. Um and because I mean, like there's no start there like we've said this continu- continuously. There's no one character that is bigger than the show. Like there's no like Baltimore is and Baltimore is the star of the show the city. If you want to look at what character is the star of the city of Baltimore. But there's no one individual character that can that carries the show or that you know the show can miss. Um, because, of, because of, there's so many dynamic characters on, on this show. So I can definitely see them taking time to read to think about reinventing his character at that point. Um, at that point, so yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, yeah, Frank and Lou. Lou, of course, is the older brother of, of Frank Sabaka. Um, he offers to give him a, a position, a port position where he basically just has to do nothing, not even show up to meetings mm-hmm. and get paid. His brother, they're doing this over over some beers at uh, Lou's house, and his brother, his brother, of course, turns this down, and basically we see the difference between he and uh, Frank Sabaka. Um, they get into it, a, a minor argument, and Lou basically says, "Everything I got, I got on the straight and narrow." Um, Frank, you know. Refutes that and says, you know, you don't have to make the choices that I, you know, if you were in my position. And Lou basically says, I'm glad I'm not <laughs> glad I'm not in your position. I don't want to have to. I don't, I don't wouldn't want to would wouldn't want to have to make those choices that you've made. Um, and doesn't want he doesn't ultimately doesn't want Frank's life. He wants no part of uh, Frank's life. He just wants to you know sit at home, enjoy a ball game, and, and a and a beer. So. And he's older than Frank, so he's so – he's, I would say he's probably – he's retired. Um, so you see the difference between the ideologies of one Frank Sabaka and, and the new Sabaka, which we we'll, will see will play out through the course of, of the uh, rest of the season in regards to uh, Nikki and, uh, you know, even Ziggy. What were your thoughts on, on this scene? Yeah.
2: Now, I'm going – first, I want to say I like this scene. I like this scene every time I see it. Now, if I were going to knock this episode for anything, it's for scenes like this or this season is for scenes like this. Cause the scene doesn't essentially have any purpose. It doesn't need to exist. Um, but it exists specifically for what you're talking about to show dichotomy between the philosophies and, and essentially to show that Frank's a piece of shit. I mean, that, that, that's ultimately what this scene is, to, is getting at. But I would argue that the wires already laid out that argument on Frank and we've Talked about it ad nauseum because that's essentially what this season is about with him. Um, so uh, I, I don't know why they put a scene in there, but I like the scene. But it's complete setup.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't have. They, they didn't. This wasn't. Uh, this was not a necessary scene. Um, you like to your point. We already know about Frank. We already know about. They've already talked enough about Nikki and Ziggy. So they, those characters have been flushed out for the most part. Um, Yeah, I I guess they just wanted to show you, you know, the differences between him and him and, you know, him and Frank from that standpoint. But I feel like we already knew that from a scene with Nick Nick and his father earlier this season in terms of how his father being on the street. And, you know, from that standpoint. um, Ziggy and uh, unknown in a pigeon coop. so Ziggy asked, you know, talking talks to the guy who's, you know, of course, I, I'm assuming an expert you know, in, in pigeons and what have you, he says the epigraph, he says the epigraph, why don't they fly away? And the guy mentions because his wings are clipped. And instead of buying the pigeon, Ziggy, despite, decides to buy the duck instead. There's uh, a whole you know bunch of money for the duck. Um, didn't want the pigeon because uh, he says they have lice and what have you. A um, lot of symbolism going on with this scene with the epigraph, in terms of individuals being trapped in their respective environments. In terms of when you mentions the wings, wings being clipped, I mean you can mention that. You know we could have talked about that with. McNulty on the boat we talked about that in you know in the streets or in the in, in, in the, uh, the pit you know those those people trapped in their lives and fiends or what have you drug dealers trapped with a particular lifestyle so there's a lot of symbolism and metaphors and uh, with that with this particular scene and, and, you know with that particular scene the wings being clipped what were your thoughts on, on this scene? I uh, uh,
2: it's perfect um yeah just that—that that was it. That's the—that's it. That's the symbolism, and it, it it applies to so many different characters in this show. That was yeah. That was perfect.
0: You have um, Daniels Freeman and Bunk. Um, this is after, of course, following Bunk Bunk talking to uh, with McNulty and them drinking. So Daniels and Fre- Daniels and Bunk. Not Daniels. Freeman and Bone try to convince Daniels to go back at uh, Rawls to try to convince to to have to uh, to get McNulty on the detail. Um, of course, Daniels said, you know, Ross. You know, he went to Rawls once, and uh, Ross. Not nah, he. He hasn't gone to Rawls, but Ross told him when he was when he gave him the assignment that you can have everything but McNulty. So Freeman says, you know. You know go back to him and 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 see if you know go back to him because you know we're carrying we listen we need we have we're trying to clear 14 murders so we need all hands on deck we know he's self-destructive we know he's an asshole we know this about we know this and that about him but he's good he's natural police regardless of that and we need to if you want to clear these murders basically we need all hands on deck uh what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, yeah. How you get back in the game? They need him to start doing something.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So you have Herc Carver and Herc's cousin. Um, so these two are, you know back up to back into it again in regards to they're going to use his Herc's cousin to be a a manufactured fake confidential informant. Named Fuzzy Dunlap, um, he he demands money, rightfully so, ten percent. Herc thought, for whatever reason, that he was going to do it, do it as a favor because they were related, and say, you know, Herc says, <laughs> Herc says, we, you know, we clear cases and we we gather evidence and so on, so on, so this, that, and third. And the guy says, uh, his cousin says, that's what you get paid to do. And Carver basically like, yeah, you know, he's right. So then Carver, you know, Carver says like, damn, I'm in family with the with every with all the hurts. Um, very key scene as far as the as far as future scenes and episodes. Uh, remember this scene. Uh, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, the wire playing a very very deep game here. Okay,
0: we no. you, you just can't talk about this scene. Now. No, no, we can't. No. It's very deep. No, game. no, we, we can't flush, We like I, I can give you what happened in the scene, but we can't flush out the scene because it's too it's too far ahead. On his
2: face, though, it's a very funny scene.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. But
2: they're playing a deep game.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, this was a, this was definitely a chess a chess from that standpoint. Um, they're playing chess. Um, Ziggy Nick, and Nick. Um. Nick Nicko has some new wheels, feeling good about himself. Uh, money in the car. Uh, Ziggy comes in. He hands Ziggy a, a, a bunch of cash. Um, Ziggy acknowledges Nick. You know, he bought a he got a new truck, which was clearly against what Nick was about earlier in the season. But again, Nick Nick likes the money. He likes you know he likes Nick is loving the lifestyle right now. So Nick gets a call from the Greeks. Uh, I want to say Poly Spiros, and um, they discuss a little bit of bi- a bit of business, uh, bit of business. And you know, Nick says, you know, everything's going good. I'll get back to get back with you, get back to you. And then Ziggy, of course, hears this and is jealous that he is not involved in uh, in uh, dealing with doing business with the Greek and 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 feeling left out. And uh, he, he gets angry when Nick tells him, hey, look, let me handle the business, just take the money. And Zig says basically, you know, fuck you, I'll play the game for myself. I know you don't think I can, but I can't, but I will. And tosses the money outside the truck, all of it outside of the truck. Um, what were your thoughts?
2: Uh-huh. So when, when I saw this scene for the first time, you know, I remember thinking, that's such a dumb move. Why would you throw all that money out the window? And so here's the thing that we all need to understand about the character of Ziggy and characters like Ziggy. And I'll juxtapose him and Milty at the same time. Or not juxtapose. I'll, I'll talk about him and Milty at the same time. The thing that happens is is essentially the symptom. The symptom diseases themselves how they feel about themselves um and so uh i say that to say for ziggy it's absolutely not about the money none of this is about the money that he can make nothing zero of this is about the money um uh it's about how he feels about himself and what what the different things that happened no to the same thing the beginning the beginning i was waiting for this moment to talk about the beginning the beginning of the scene is exactly like that. When McNulty wakes up in the girl's bed, all bloody, looks around, just like, and then just gives kind of like that sigh and puts his head on the pillow, that's what that represents. The actions that he did, the drinking, the messing around, and everything like that is all to cover up what he feels or the symptoms of what or shows are the symptoms to show how you feel about himself um uh yeah, houses by himself, which is horrible about himself. Ziggy on his several feels horrible about about himself. Yeah. And that's why our Boy D'Angelo was such a good character is because he he actually verbalized what um, he actually verbalized how he was feeling and gave context to all the other characters who were in similar positions, i.e. the wings being clipped. All the characters' wings are clipped, or most of the characters' wings are clipped. Particularly the more self-destructive they are, you can just add that to i.e. their wings being clipped.
0: yeah yeah trapped, i mean this,
2: trapped this, trapped this, that, but, i trapped wings being clipped mean trapped
0: yeah they're both McNulty and, and and uh both McNulty and ziggy are trapped in their own trapped in, their, trapped own,
2: in their, their own horribleness
0: but yes yes um and yeah. neither
2: one can see neither one can see a way out which again Points to why they had to reimagine McNulty's character because they can simply, anyways, they can Ziggy will be finite, McNulty will not, so they needed to grow the McNulty character.
0: You have um, Daniels and Rawls. So Daniels goes, Daniels goes to Rawls to try to convince him to uh, get McNulty uh, on the case. At first, Rawls kind of rebuffs it, says, "You know, you can ask me for anything." asked me for anything um, but this is something you know but but this but then Ross then Daniel says, listen you want me to clear these cases you um, said no bullshit I get everything I need everything I want everything I need and Ross Ross acquiesces and makes sure says make sure you do so again those 14 murders 14 murders are 14 murders so however Daniel whatever Daniel needs to get those 14 murders out clear you know Ross Ross has, has basically has no choice but to but to give in and, and, and allow me you no know, to to uh, get back on the detail. Uh, any thoughts on this quick on this scene? No, I don't have anything. Uh, Bodie and Poop, um, they are looking at some some other drug crews serve. Uh, who have taken over parts of, who have taken over their territory and are serving their customers. So you could see the wheel spinning in Bodhi's head, in Bodhi's brain, uh, in regards to this, um, in thinking about what needs to be done. Of course, this, this will be a setup for uh, not only for the rest, now for this episode, before even next episode. As well in regards to what's going to happen, but they they are looking at other other independent crews, not even big crews, independent crews, with to have uh, landed on Barksdale territory, and have are serving their customers. And because you know, again, if you have you, know, if you have no product or have a weak product, it doesn't matter. Your territory is doesn't mean anything. And, of course, and also, we know that the Barksdale's right now are at, are at their lowest in regards to muscle as well. So. What were your thoughts on, on this series? Um, everything that is
2: anything with the uh with the pet, with Bodie, with Poot, with anything stringer, all that is setting up for next, next season. Um, so they're they're drilling this theme of no product or bad product makes you weak. And you gotta do things. In order to fend off, but the big thing, the big huge thing, the only thing that matters is having a good product. So they're
0: drilling that in. You have um, McNulty uh, finally gets a call, or he's uh, finally gets a call, that he's off the boat from Daniels. So you had that going on real quick, nothing much to add there. Um, Carver, show, go to Carver and Daniels. Carver shows uh Daniels the phony the phony confidential informant and Daniel signs off on the money to uh on signs off on the money. Um and the reason why Daniel signs off is uh Carver basically says, Hey, he led us to, you know, he helped up- lead us to uh Nick Sabaka. Um a lot of setup with this. Uh, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean like I think I think this these scenes are absolutely also playing at a deeper game. I got we got to acknowledge that, right. um, because uh, even beyond what we were initially talking about, it's the character development of Herc and Carver and where they'll ultimately not end up, but where they'll ultimately start to to go. Like my my big uh, takeaway is just that they did this, all this for 250 extra dollars, right? Like this is kids, this is child's game. So you're, you're playing kids game. You're playing like, a, a, my, you're playing very minor league right now. And they both need to think bigger, but they're incapable of thinking bigger right now. Um, and so the deeper game will be, what are the things that will happen that will ultimately snap them out of this stupid little mentality that they're having? Um, but as of right now, they they can't move past how they traditionally thought about things.
0: Yeah, Bunk, Kima, and Perlman, they are discussing the girls, uh, discussing the girls, and how to go about the next step in regards to that. Uh, Perman wants them wants to see if they can if they can connect them to the drugs as well. So a lot of setup for this particular scene. Uh, with where the rest of, with where this rest of this episode is gonna go, um, as they are you know discussing with, the, the move with the with the girls and the drug connect connection from that standpoint, um, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah what resonates with me in this scene is when um, is at the beginning when they when uh, Perman goes or somebody says, you know this is starting to feel a lot more than Frank Sabaka. And that, that 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 that's what this scene is is really laying uh, or is adding on to. This case is spiraling because there's so many different parts to it and very little has to do with Frank Sabaka.
0: Uh, you have um Bodhi cuts uh, a couple of uh, dealers loose due to a lack of business. Um, we see Bodie in a position of power, having to make decisions, having to think 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 things through. Um, these these guys ask for some severance pay, and he basically, you know, tells them, you know, get no, to- no, they
2: don't think "Huh? They do not say severance pay."
0: What they say? he said. I thought, "What they, uh, they say?" They severance.
2: One of the best lines in the Wire. I love this line so much. What
0: did he say? He's-
2: Cause he, he the guy the kid goes uh, so can we get some of that separation pay?
0: Separation, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. So it was separation pay. Exactly right. I they meant saying. severance.
2: You're they saying mean, the correct yeah. one, but yeah. They, they yeah they, they not that, that, it, no. some of They're that separation not. pay. Separation I love yeah. that line so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then Bodie, of course, basically you know tells you're
2: right. Me. Oh, nah,
0: nah. No nah, separation y'all. Separation pay here, homie. Yeah. No union. <laughs> yeah. This is not this is not union. Good try. Hey, good try. Yeah. Nah, so, no, you're gonna go to to complain. He um, cuts them loose, and uh, again, we uh, this will be you know we'll we'll dig deeper into this lack of uh, pro- lack of quality of product um, over the course of this episode. Um, what are your thoughts on this scene?
1: Yeah, a setup.
0: Herman <laughs> in detail. Um, with the department with the detail they're trying to decide who's going to go undercover as a uh, as a john in terms as a john to the to the cat house. Um, Kima and and bulk of course are are out as far as that they basically eliminate themselves and it's, it's not going to happen in regards to their domestic issues. Um, Herc volunteers and Daniels rebuffs that and says we need a more subtle approach. And then McNulty walks in to the office and Kima says, well, it takes a whore to catch a whore. So he, they, McNulty is going to be the one that uh, will end up going, uh, end up going undercover. What were your thoughts?
2: Yep, set up. McNulty's back in the game.
0: Yep, might as well use him. (laughs) He'll be back in the game. Might as well give him, him, let him get them shots up. Um, Ziggy, Ziggy comes in the bar. Um, with the duck, as you know, playing like he's a blind man, <laughs> Ziggy uh, puts the bar the court, and not only comes up with the duck. The duck has a diamond necklace around the duck's neck, around the duck's neck. Uh, puts the bar on top, of, puts the duck on top of the bar, then proceeds to order shots, buys the bar, you know, buys a round for the bar, buys the you know the duck gets the duck some shots, and a chaser and puts a a saucer. It fills it up with some beer. It has the duck drink the duck drinking out the the duck the duck drinking out the, the saucer and also taking uh, drinking out the uh, taking shots as well. Uh, Ziggy now Ziggy is now in control of the narrative of, of 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 comedy. So he takes it upon himself to be to not to be the butt of the joke, but to be to lead the joke. Um, what were your thoughts?
2: Of oh my God. I can't oh my everything I wanna say here because this is setting up for something that happens in next episode. But here's what I'll say. Pay attention to everybody's reaction right now. Um and how everybody else is involved in this situation as well. And then I'll follow up when we talk about uh when we talk when we talk more about it next episode.
0: Yeah. So uh, in, in terms of that, you you also had a couple of the stevedores. Not a couple. Uh, yeah, at least well, three or four of them. Nope. In, uh, nope.
2: Everybody, everybody in that
0: bar. No, I'm I'm talking in terms of buying the buying the uh, buying drinks for the duck and yeah. that standpoint. It was about three. It wasn't everybody. It was about three or four of them who chose to, yes, buy. to buy. Yes. Okay. That's from that. I'm not talking about terms no, of the reaction.
1: Yeah. Because, no, I, got, get
0: you're saying. I get what you say. So you had about three or four of the stevedores. Says, you know, if the ducks drinking, the next round's on me. And then, you know, three or four. So they're, you know, they're all in on it from that standpoint. Uh, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, Everybody, he gets a reaction out of everybody. Everybody reacts to it. The bartender, Dolores, uh, everybody's getting the kick out of it uh, at that point. Um, Yeah, at that point. (laughs) So you have uh, Note and Kima. Uh, Mignolte and Kima um, are, are, sco- are, are scoping the uh, girls out to see uh, what, who they're with. They find out they, they see um, a John being escorted who they see a John with the girls and they see the girls being escorted um, with bodyguards. Uh, so they, you know, so that they see, they see that real quick Of course that will be a setup uh, for, you know, for uh, later on in this episode. Anything you want? Anything to add to that? Setup. Yep. Freeman, President Russell. Uh, Russell lets them know which ship that will dock. That will dock. their horse face is connected to. Um, will that again? That's a setup for for a big scene in this episode as well. Uh, Mcnulty, Kima. Uh, they see the John get dropped off by the muscle. Then, uh, Mignolte, after that, McNulty, you know, McNulty and Akima pull him over to get information on how to get connected with the girls. He gives them a card. uh, he gives them a card and tells them to put, to put like four digits in and, and ask for Eve. So, McNulty, ah. uh, yep, yep, Bob. <laughs> so, yeah, Bob gets caught. And before that, even before they even pulled him over, he was getting himself, he had gotten dropped off, and McNulty basically said, Describe what he was doing, saying so he, he was getting his lies together in order to tell the family and, and you know, the family and kids. Um, so they pull him over. And McNulty gets information, gets a card from him. The card has four numbers that uh, has to be punched in when he makes the call and to ask for Eve. So McNulty has his way into, you know, to the, uh, as is, as he says, his ticket into the dance in terms of being yeah. Going, yeah. Under, going under it's
2: a little bit more, more finesse over. that's going to need to come.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to add anything to that?
2: Um, no, I uh, it's pretty much set up. I mean, I think the, I mean, I love the scene between him and Kima talking about it because that that pretty much he pretty much admits that. I mean, of course, his, his his separated wife is on point about him. He has no intention of, of course, changing or anything because he kind of out, outlines with that line. First line he says is, it's easy to lie to the wife. It's the kids that you have the hard part, have the hard time looking at. So it just kind of like outlines like his his mentality um, about it. And I <laughs> just like, like you know, a lot of times I t- talk about comedy being hiding something else in this aspect. It just was it just was fantastic. Just um the actor who played Bob, Bob played it so well. Bob was having the worst day. He's about to have the worst day of his life. Yeah, no, he's, he's not a no. good play. Bob Bob was Bob was having a bad day. He's about to have a bad, bad day. So I really appreciated how that actor played that entire entire role. Cause I, I was laughing the entire time. There's nothing deeper, no deeper meaning about it. He's just like, oh, he's just like, oh shit, I got caught, <laughs> I got caught, caught. Like this is about to be all the way bad, and he was so happy to be as soon as soon as they said, uh, as soon as McNulty was like, you can go, he goes, <laughs> <Sled> <laughs> right up. like, Yo, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, Woo, Bob.
0: Woo. yeah, Bob. Woo. Bob, was the, Bob was the winner of that scene. Bob yeah, was. he
2: was, yes, he was. Bob. Bob, Bob made out at, yeah, Bob, yes. Yeah, yeah, you I felt to... Bob's stress. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't wanna tell, you don't wanna explain this story at all. <laughs> That's so you it. Had the,
0: you had the detail, um, they're watching that can disappear uh, through the computer, um, so, of course, Sergey Sergey confirms it. You have Kima watching Sergey take the can. Frank is looking at all this happening as well. Uh, Frank is, uh, looks on. Uh, then you, see you have Kima and Herc, gives Herc and Carver the truck information. Um, and then Frank, yeah, so you have Kima and Herc, give, uh, Kima gives Herc and Carver the truck information and they are on as far as tracking uh, this can from the, uh, from the information from the, um, from the computer. Uh, what were your thoughts. Set up. Uh, Frank uh, then through information. Uh, through information with, with some of the port cops realizes that uh, Russell was lying to him lying to him about where she was detailed at he finds out that she was that she's been detailed to local, uh, to local police, um, to a local detail. Um, remember, back a couple of episodes ago, she told him that he, she was detailed to somewhere in Fairfield County, in uh, Fairfield County. So you know his wheels are completely spinning at this point uh, in regards to thinking that something is is uh, wrong. Then you have Frank and Horseface. Um, he tells Horseface, you know, that Russell lied to him and just basically asked, you know, says, you know, why would she lie? Horseface says, you know, you're being paranoid. And then he tells Horseface to lose a clean can. Uh, what were your thoughts? Because
2: you're paranoid doesn't mean somebody's not after you. Um, Yeah, yeah, Frank's starting to catch on. Set up, yeah. He's showing he's, 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 starting to, he's starting to catch on.
0: So the d de- so we go back to the detail. They see another can. They see that another can has disappeared. Uh, they tell Herc and Carter to stay. Uh, Daniels tells Daniels tells her and Carver to stay on the can. McNulty catches up with the truck that has been delayed by Russell. Uh, he was impressed by her, you know, her maneuver her figuring out how to how to delay how to, do, to how to delay that truck through a basically a traffic stop. Um, Frank calls Spiros to tell to let him know that the, um, to let him know that he gave them a clean can, and demands to meet with the Greek. What real thoughts on, on this action? Yeah, there's a lot going on with this particular action. Double G and Sergey. So they get to Double G's uh, place of business, of course, the store, the radio, you know, radio store, television store. They open the can up. Double G sees that the can is clean. He calls up to complain to Frank. Not to Frank. He calls up. He calls up to, to complain to Spiros. Spiros tells him that the, he was expecting this to. Uh, he was he, that he was expecting this. Of course, because he's received. He told uh, he's received a call from uh, Frank uh, that that the can that Frank gave him the can purposely. but it depend. The can was going to be clean. Uh, what were your What were your thoughts? Yeah,
2: this is building upon the theme of uh, uh, Frank just catching on.
0: Bodie and Poop, um, so Bodie and Poop get up, you know, get a couple, uh, a couple of their dudes to meet up at 7 a.m. at the spot where he saw some independents settling on Barksdale territory. Uh, Bodie comes up with a plan. Um, the guys at first were, you know, wondering why we had to be so early. But then he tells them that, you know, they got a chance to get some action in with some bats. So they all, at this point, they are all in in terms of that, in terms of that. Um, Bodie making moves without, uh, without really talking to anybody above him. I, I noticed that, like he, I noticed that uh, a part of this particular scene. Like this, this is, a, I mean, the move that he's going to make, this move right here, will, there's a bigger move that's coming, of course, in the, the next, next episode. but. I did notice it did jump out to me that he hadn't consulted anybody in regards to this, not Stringer or anybody above him, which speaks to a lack, speaks to where the Barksdale organization is in terms of lack of organization and lack of structure. What were your thoughts?
2: Well, they're facing. I mean, like I thought about that too, but they're also they're facing things that they've never had to face before. They, They it just wouldn't have been a thing for somebody to ever come down and start setting up in front of them up until this point and so this is the first kind of like time that they've had to deal with that and as you kept mentioning it's the independent this is not another structured thing where it would be necessary to get uh stringer involved and so does the is it a bad move it's a bad move because of what we'll talk about next episode but in terms of the thought process and how it goes on, like I've watched this episode a bunch of times and it's never once been like, oh, I thought Bodie was strategically making a mistake. I This will ultimately lead into everything that Stringer will ultimately talk about with what he, why he is structuring things the way he's structuring things because of this is the beginning of an event that will happen. We got it. we We just can't talk about this till next episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, I'm not going to say it was a bad move because I, I think that, I think right now within the Barksdale organization that they're, as far as where they're at right now, he, you know, you have Stringer, but you don't, there's not that, the structure is, the structure is not there right now. So I think it speaks to that. It speaks to that more than it speaks to Bodie making a, a, a terrible move. It actually, it actually was a smart move from a standpoint of meeting up at seven a.m. So he, you know, get him, you know, saying that, hey, we got, we got to be there early before they, before they set up, before they set up. That actually was smart, to be honest with you. Uh, so he had that part on. He was, he was on point in terms of that, that part of the strategy. Um, McNulty and Daniels. Uh, McNulty is looking at a second can when Daniels tells him, and this is at this point is at night. So McNulty has been on his can. Through the course of the whole day into the late into the night. This is the can that Sergey ended up that Sergey dropped off that the can that would end up being a clean can. Uh Daniels tells him that hey, the can the can is clean. Uh tells him to go home. Um and uh and tells him to go home. Uh what were your thoughts? Set up. Frank and Nick are uh, at the bar uh discussing what happened with the cans. Um you yeah, have Frank also noticing Ziggy. Mm. Noticing what? What happened? What you mean? I'm just saying. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. You said Ziggy. Oh yeah, Frank. No, Frank said, "What's with the duck?" You're right. Mm-hmm. Frank said. Frank said, "What's with the duck?" And Is Ziggy he,
2: anywhere around
0: in that scene? Oh no, Ziggy was not. He wasn't. Thank you. Fr- Frank said. Well, Frank says, "What? What's with the duck?" And then Nick says, "Ziggy." That's what that's what happened.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: Who's this, all around the duck at this point in time? All the Stevedores. Okay. It, was all right. all, it was all the Stevedores. So right. at that point, so yeah, Ziggy was not in the scene. Um, the duck. This Frank notices the duck drinking out the saucer, and says, "What's with the duck?" And then Nick, you know, Nick lets him know that this was Ziggy's. Ziggy's doing, and he also notices that the duck has a diamond necklace around his neck as well. Um, what were your thoughts? Who's around the duck? That was my thought. All the Stevadors. Yep. Yep. Uh,
2: more to come next episode, but that yeah. was my thought. Yeah. This, this, Who's around that duck right now, having a really good time with the duck.
0: Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. Um, Freeman, McNulty, and Russell. So. This is at the end of the night. Uh, everybody else has went home. You just have, of course, Freeman is always the last, you know, first one in, last one out. Uh, Freeman is looking at, you know, they Freeman tells them, you know, basically tells McNulty and, and Russell basically somebody fucked up in regards to the can being clean, in regards to uh, the, the clean can being dumped. They they were able to they were able to detect that uh, through the phone calls that somebody called Spiros twice, um, and McNulty says, "Hey, no, we had a good day," and you know Freeman, you know Freeman says, "Yeah," so McNulty says, "You know anybody want to get a taste?" Freeman says, "No, he's gonna stay with the paperwork." Was you know no surprise out of him, and uh, Russell. He yes, asked Russell. Russell uh, says, you know, I got a baby, you know, I got to get to babysitter or something. And then uh, says that one, she says that one beer, more than one beer, my head starts spinning. And and Nygnoty, Mignotti uh, says mine too. So and yeah, and Russell's car, Russell's car was broke too. So she needed a for a ride, she said for a ride, I'll do one beer. That's what happened. She said, for a ride, I'll do one beer. But after that, my head starts spinning. So uh, Russell, so Mignolte gives her a ride. And as they're walking out, Freeman gives a curious look, uh, knowing what he thinks is going to transpire. Um, that's what I—that's what I took that as. Um, so they—they—they they, they head to the bar. Um, Freeman—they uh, get—they go to the Goodwill bar, have a couple of drinks, a couple of beers, talk about their families. Um, he jokes about his wife dying. She talks about, her, how, about how her husband left her and her kids because because she wasn't a housewife. Um, then McNulty uh, makes a before they you know before they um, leave the bar, McNulty goes makes a call about setting you know setting up his uh, attempt to infiltrate the brothel. So he confirms he confirms that he's basically confirming that the number was a was a good number. So he makes that call, and then they court, and then of course they head, they head out the bar. Um, a lot going on in this scene. What were your thoughts?
2: Uh, so this is this is the beginning of the rehabilitation of the McNulty character, adding more depth to him. Um, it wasn't just one look that Freeman gave. Freeman gave three separate looks during yes. during that during that scene, um, and. Uh, And uh,
1: at this time,
2: I know what's going to happen. The other look, one of the other looks is this is something different. The way that he's interacting with her is different. Um, And then on top of that, then, yeah. So so this this is the beginning of the rehabilitation of the McNulty character. 'Cause we haven't gotten into the part at the
0: end. So um yeah, no question about it. Um this will this will set up the uh lab, the latter part of, of the of the episode. Um Bodie Bodie of course continues to is at night, it's late at night. Bodie continues to case the corner. Um he sees the he sees the um these independent crews work in the corner, selling on the corner, and then he sees the guys, the two guys that he fired. He sees them now with with the, with, with that particular crew. So he's uh, you know plotting what he's going to be, what he's going to, his next move is going to be. Well, he already knows what his next move is going to be. He's just looking to basically see you know how many of them are there and and who's who they're working with. And again, like I said earlier, he sees the two of his former workers now working with that crew. Uh, what were your thoughts?
2: Yep, set up, yeah. set
0: up. So we go to McNulty and Russell. Um, they're back at her place. She offers him another beer. She gives him another beer before she says she has to get some, you know, some stuff cleaned up or whatever, some stuff that she has to take care of. And he, as he's drinking the beer, he's walking around and looking at all. A bunch of yeah, it's a bunch. There's a bunch of toys around. it's you know bills on her refrigerator. Um, it looks like a place of a of a single female with two with with, with, with two kids, with two boys. You know, yeah. So yeah, you know, toys all over the place. And he walks my He was very, I, you know, very uh, nosy, McNulty. He, only he, you know, he, he didn't just sit down and drink the beer. He's walking in the fridge. He's walking into the, the kitchen. He's uh, opening the cookie jar. I mean, Mcnulty basically is all over the place. Um, she comes back, and Mcnulty has a a a bout of conscience, and decides to uh, leave. Um, decides to leave all, to leave all of a sudden when I'm sure and maybe I'm misreading this, maybe not let me know. I'm sure that her that when they came back there that her intentions were that they were going to have sex. That she was expecting to have sex with you know. And maybe he was expecting to, to do the same before he actually went inside the house and walked around and walked around the house. Um her the acting by her in this scene was phenomenal because as he's walking out, he says, "Long day." He so like, yeah, and she said, I think she heard, I think she says yeah, for everybody. And she has a look of confusion, also a look of confusion and relief at the same time. Confusion on, in terms of damn, I thought we were going to sleep to have sex and maybe relief from a standpoint of, well, maybe it would have been too quick, and maybe this would have caused some friction within us working together, or some awkwardness, the fact that we're working together on this case. Just phenomenal acting by Amy Ryan in that scene, because she conveyed all those emotions uh, as he's walking out the door. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, you're yeah, yeah.
1: uh,
0: here's definitely what, Here's what. I here's
2: where it's simpatico it going back to her place whatever she's open to whatever people are open to whatever happening happening that don't like that and it says something of that he's already has his jacket on is ready to leave all those those things are there um Again, something further to even start getting into right now, but they're they're
1: beginning. is
2: the beginning of that? Uh, they both announced that
1: this was not. It's call. He dropped his called Drop. Uh, we'll get. We'll get him back on. All right, here you
0: back? Are oh, you back? All right, yeah. Can you hear me? I hear you. Yeah. All right, All right I ahead. hear you. Yeah, go
2: ahead. I don't even know what last part I left off, or what what's the last thing that you heard.
0: Uh, you were talking about those two, like understand, not understanding, understanding that it wasn't going to happen. That's why I, I think you were cutting off a little. You were cutting it, off.
2: It, like that this wasn't the moment. So it was, it was more mutual. They both understood it. That doesn't discount. It was excellent acting by both actors. Yes. In the way that they, they presented that that scene that or that moment that we all know and recognize um, and how they played it without a lot of words. It was fantastic acting on both parts. I definitely don't think any, either one of them we're thinking about what the awkwardness of their working relationship would be at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Um,
2: well acted beautifully played.
0: Yeah, no, it was. Um, so yeah, they gave, you know, they gave me noTA somewhat redemptive, humane.
2: The nah, yeah, let's, slow, let's all slow down, because we know what's coming. It's the beginning. <laughs> uh,
0: and they also are also playing a long game with, with, with these two as well. Yeah, uh,
2: I mean, it'll tie into his ultimate redemption. I wish we could talk about the entire series as a whole right now, because then I could really go into what's going on, but we're not doing it that way. So, um, yeah, what's going on right now is the very, very very,
0: very, very, very beginning of something. Uh, so, yeah, Bodie and Poot, uh, so Bodie, Bodie and Poot, along with about four or five other Barstow members, take the corner away from the unknown gang that that they were casing earlier. Of course, the unknown gang says, um, you know, we'll be back. Uh, he says, you know, you'll see me asleep. And, you know, uh, Bodie says, yeah, I know. Um... And basically, Bodhi said you had nobody to do it the other way with in terms of some of he had some of his ex workers, so he had no respect for them as far as being fierce. Uh, Pooh, of course, had a gun and he had about four or five other dudes that had, that were with Barksdale's, that had bats. Um, so, Bodhi knows uh, that this is just the beginning, um, that they, you know, that this is not over. Who says you know? Says hey, the way um, they're gonna come back, and Bodhi says yeah. Uh-huh. Bodhi says yeah. The way we punked them, they they got to. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean,
2: uh-huh. there's nothing to add. I mean, I, I, there, there's nothing to add to what, what you said. <laughs> the only thing that I thought the last two times I watched this watched this scene was, did and I'm just asking you this? Did you get belly vibes? Belly. Yeah, remember, dude, in Belly when he comes up with the banana, <laughs> the banana, the Jamaican dude. Anyways, I know some that the guy in the yellow and the white and the way that he approached them. I just like, but in both times I watched this scene recently, I was just like, man, that reminds me of the scene in Belly. But other than that, other than that, there's nothing to add to what you said.
0: Uh, Frank, Nick, Spiros, and the Greek. So they, uh, Frank and uh. And Nick go to the to the Greek's deli. Um, they finally meet the Greek in person. Um, at first they went. At first, uh, at first they it was just Spiros, and then basically when Frank threatens to walk out, and is walking out, the Greek pops out of nowhere and says, "No, stay. Uh, you know, stay. And you know, that's that's you know, let's talk." And then uh, Nick lets him know. Says, "Yeah, that's the Greek. That's the old, you know, it's the old guy that's always hanging around." Um, he tells, Frank tells him that his cell phone is being tapped. He explains why they switched cans. He also convinces the Greek to can, to keep to uh, keep paying them the same. Uh, the Greek kind of taunts Frank. Not kind of, definitely taunts Frank. Says, "It's a new world. Go enjoy your money. Buy a car or a co- or a new coat." Clearly. Getting back to what you know, Nicole, to talking about Nick with the buying a new truck, and also when Ziggy bought that coat a few episodes back. Um, basically, say I. The Greek basically says, "I have you in my pocket." That, that, that's why I took this too. Like I had, like you, you are, uh, you are about the money. I know you're about the money. So it's like, and the Greek knows this. Uh, no, he, he knows Sabaka. He reads Sabaka like a book. Like he, he you know, so. He kind of taunts the at the end of the scene with with those comments and then you see the episode come to an end. What were your thoughts on this ending scene. Um,
2: Um, uh, Of it, like he's been seeing and picking up all these breadcrumbs, and he's able to like really kind of like dive into. And finally, after so many, after so many, um, different conversations, well, I got to see the Greek. I got to see the
1: Greek.
2: The way in which He's doing, he's going about his business on this.
0: You think the Greek was taunting him, though, with that comment at the end? The Greek
2: was. Giving him a warning. Oh, we can't wow. talk about it until we get to oh, the last
0: episode. As, wow, you took it as he was giving him an O. Oh. I,
2: I don't think he's threatening him. I think he's giving him a warning. Hmm, interesting. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. So Frank, uh, okay, so I, I can't I think I can't break this down a little bit without without get without waiting for that scene. Oh. Um, What the Greek is essentially saying to Frank is that everything you've been talking about is bullshit. Go out and spend some of this, enjoy this, like live, live your life a little bit. Um, Because all this other stuff is whatever is stressing you out and you're being a crazy person and all of this right there. And so I think he's, he's, he's warning him that the, his fool's gold angle is ridiculous because Frank makes that statement, I have things going on right now, right now. And if the Greek were, if they were another type of, if they felt a different type of way, they could just end them right there. So what are you doing this for, Frank? What, what is all this coming? Where, what is all, all, this is working you up into a place of, of angst and anxiety we have that same angst and anxiety, but we're doing this on a much bigger scale because we are enjoying the windfall of our profits. That's why we're doing this. You need, to, you need to enjoy some of this because the end of this will not be good. Because you, you need to enjoy some of this. Greek is smart enough to know as in, like, if we take, like, a, let's, let me take, like, a mafia scenario, right? So, like, the mob, and this is this the perfect, you know, the scene in Goodfellas, right? Where he's like, well, you know, homeboy came to them asking about the restaurant and should you be a part of the restaurant? And the guy comes to them asking for the restaurant in order to chill out um, uh, 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 Joe Pesci's character. But ultimately, what they're going to do is bust them out. Ultimately what the Greek and them are going to do is fuck Frank over like that. That's the end game. That's the end game of this whole thing. They're in it. He says it clearly. Oh, I get it. None of us are in this for love because we enjoy each other's company. We're in this for the money. You're flipping out because of the money. I'm not flipping out because of the money. I'm not flipping out because of the police and the cost and everything like that. It's because the Greek uses his money to keep the thing going. Frank is not even remotely seeing that or thinking that way. And so his end, His and so the Greek can see his end. And so if you're going to go to jail, blah, 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 whatever the negative ending is, you might as well enjoy the money. That's the warning he's giving him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think the Greek can also see through all Frank can see through Frank's bullshit in regards. It to doesn't
2: me. matter to the Greek. That's the point. That's what's my mafia thing. It doesn't matter. They're there to get as much out of Frank as possible. Right. Get as much out of Union as that. It doesn't matter. They're not there to be caring about Frank and his peoples and his cause yeah, The Greek, like
0: that. They, yeah, the Greek the overall, right? The overall message, what you mean? The Greek doesn't give a shit about Frank's Union and his like they and frank and i think I, to your point i think that the greek sis the greek calls frank out for his bullshit from a standpoint of saying that don't pretend like you're not in this for the money don't pretend like you get, don't pretend like you actually give a shit about your diet. right
2: right don't 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 <laughs> come care- to me with this moral yeah, like i doing this for nobody nobody here cares about that don't right. don't do that no. yeah <laughs> tell them lies to your friends and family Yeah,
0: I'm not, yeah, I'm not here for it. We all like, we all enjoy the money. We all love the money, so let's (laughs) enjoy the money. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And he uh, says
2: very clearly, the reason why I'm giving this to you guys is because I'm thinking about the future business we're going to do. That's the only reason this deal is going through like this.
0: Right. Yeah, because he gets, like, he, um... He pays them, the guards, he pays them in spite of the fact that they, they you know, that they gave him the clean can. He, at first, they were not going to pay him, continue to pay him the regular pay. Then he says, you I, know what?
2: No, hey. no, of course, they weren't going to pay him to get nothing.
0: Right. who does yeah. that? Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that I, I, I see what you're saying right? from that standpoint. It was, it, it was a warning. It was a warning we just try, trying to give him a little game has, like, yeah yeah, yeah game. try yeah yeah no question like into getting back to the Goodfellas uh comparison when they were trying even even Paulie was like look what the fuck do I know about the restaurant business so Paulie was like yo this shit is going to fail without exactly saying it you know this shit you know this shit is going to fall apart but i'm it's not going to be my fault it's going to be on you so so even they were begging Paulie for the money to, to, to go in a restaurant. Well, them. Hey, here's, here's
2: my my bringing in the mafia is it's a tried and true. It's a it's one of the mafias hustles, right? And it's 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 exactly what's going on with the Greeks, prostitution, money laundering, drug dealing, racketeering, like and then and and um, is this what is this what is this called? What whatever it is where. You get invested in the business and then you take the business for all it's worth without putting anything in. And then when it's time to leave, you just leave. And the business, who cares what the business is in? You took it for all it's worth. That's a tried and true method, a criminal organization method. That didn't just happen. The reason it's so good in Goodfellas is because he breaks it down, what it is that they do. But they've been doing that They had been doing that, organized crime has been doing this for centuries. Centuries, yeah, forever. Not years, centuries. They brought that over from Sicily, mafia. But all these different organized crime units, it's just a bread and butter. And so that's why easy money is never easy, as we've all been told by our parents, Um, because there's always a cost to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the Greek, Greek knows his, The Greek knows how this is going to end out. He knows. He's been doing this for a long, long time. He knows exactly how this is going to end. And so, he's saying to Frank, man, just enjoy enjoy that money, brother.
0: Enjoy while I laugh. You're
2: too deep in it now. You can't walk away. Might as well enjoy some of it.
0: Yep. Um, MVP. Who was your MVP?
2: Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about this one. Um, so I think like, I think if I'm thinking about an MVP for this episode, then my MVP is Ziggy.
0: Hmm. That's a good one. I had McNulty, but I'm, I, I'm gonna go Ziggy and McNulty. I think you, you convinced me with Ziggy. I'm gonna go Ziggy and McNulty. Um, who was your Chardine award? BD
2: Russell in yeah. that scene, yeah. That that was that was a fantastic scene. That was. I yeah. love the no word scenes in The Wire. Very little words. I think that's when the actors show their best stuff, um, and that was really good stuff.
0: I agree. Yeah, I agree. that That was a tremendous. That was a tremendous scene. I thought. I thought Frank Sabaka was great, and I thought the actor who played Frank, Frank Sabaka was great. was great.
2: That's a good one. That's good. A really
0: good one. Yeah. I thought he was good too. I good too. But that being yeah, that Russell, the Russell uh, multi scene at the end, towards the end of the episode was definitely a tremendous scene and just acting. You know, like, I, I am
2: changing it. I, I Frank right? Sabato, the MVP. He he was really good in this. Like like that scene. Like I'm just thinking about like so many of his scenes of just kind of like a, recognizing slowly what's going on. Just and it was a lot of just observing stuff. Right, like when he comes out for that sm- first smoke and kind of just just sees Kima kind of not looking right, right? Like just he's, he's, sm- he's just kind of looking at her like, huh, interesting. This, this worker who's supposed to be working on a pole is just kind of looking around at us. So it's just kind of, huh. Then he goes over and talks to the guys. And they say, you know, and he asks about BD. And they tell him, he's like, huh, huh? doesn't say anything about it. He's just another one. And then when, when he does the thing, and then he walks out of there, and he sees the, the um the the port police stopping the truck. Just the look on his face, it just hey, yeah 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 nah that that's Frank. It's Frank. Frank's the MVP.
0: Um,
2: yeah, he cut this episode. He
0: done. We uh, yeah, he definitely was cooking. He was in his bag without question. Um, we were talking about the theme of self destruction and. You know, it centered around basically it centered around the primary focuses of this, of this episode with Ziggy and McNulty. McNulty is kind of like rebound from his own self destruction. Ziggy's deeper plunge into his own personal uh, bout of self destruction. I also think thought that you could easy, you could easily we could easily add. Um, because I thought about this over the course of this episode, we could easily add Frank and Nick to that as well, because Nick, you know, Nick is enjoying this. Nick Nick is enjoying this money so much uh, in regards to he's doing stuff out of character, like, like buying a new truck, you know, that, you know, to draw, to draw more attention to himself. And you see Frank with his, you know, his, his thought process, Whereas at the end of the scene, at the end of the episode, or whether it was with his brother, that conversation in regards to his mentality being that self-destructive, self-destructive. And also I can include, you know, these moves that the, you know, with uh, that the Barksdale are making, or, or, you know, Bodie and, 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 you know, their path. So it was a lot, I thought that, yeah, I thought that that theme of self-destruction definitely resonated throughout the course of this episode not just with Ziggy and McNulty yeah Yeah. that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the real deal podcast the wire remix uh, season two episode eight Uh, next episode will be a explosive episode to say the least Uh, definitely looking forward to that again it's all downhill for now as we have you know, head towards the last four episodes of season two, where you're going to see some things. You know, you know, you're going to see some plot lines and you're going to see some characters make moves that you know will not be forgotten. And we're going to get introduced into some new characters as well. Uh, so it's going to should be a, a strong ending to this season. will be will be a strong ending to these in terms of these last four episodes of the season. Any closing thoughts, Mr. Sat? Uh,
2: everybody be
0: safe no, all right take it easy man
2: all
0: right have a go I'm going to wrap it up for this next edition of the real deal podcast the wire remix uh, this episode of course will be on my YouTube channel Before the, I'll get it, get it on before the night is over or early tomorrow morning as well as on blog talk radio have a great rest of the evening later